0: Welcome to Caffeinated Ramble. I'm your host, Antu Ding, and I am very caffeinated and ready to ramble. Okay, this is crazy to me. I'm actually starting this. I'm actually doing this. I've talked about doing a podcast for a really long time, and now is the fun time to actually do it. Okay, so the first episode is usually supposed to be a little bit of an overview of things. A little bit about me, a little bit about why I started this podcast, what I'm planning on talking about. Oh, in case you haven't already noticed, I talk relatively fast and i definitely ramble. Feel free to at any point slow down the speed or just like skip things. I think that could be a very productive idea if you really want to get the most out of this podcast. Anyway, so a little bit about me. I'm a current senior in high school. I'm experiencing really bad senioritis, which is not great for my eight period schedule. Yeah, show up to school at 7.30, leave at 9.30. It's really wonderful. Um, So that's why I drink as much coffee as I do. I live off of caffeine. It fuels me like a drug. You didn't hear that. And so I started wanting to do a podcast mostly because, I don't know, it's always been something in the back of my mind because I just like rambling. I like just having a platform so where I can just talk about things and let stuff out. But the thing that, well, basically, I really like making vlogs. It started a couple of years ago when I would go on trips or when I was away from home, I would like vlog as a way of still connecting with people back home and showing them what I was doing and just chatting with them, even if we couldn't be talking at the same time. And so like I started, I made a spam account a little bit later and then I started making a lot of vlogs on it. And a lot of people were saying, you know, if if you had a podcast, I would listen. And I was like, you know, maybe I should actually do it. Like, let's do this. So in the back of my mind as well, like the main reason, that, like when I, when I was thinking about starting a podcast, I wanted to start one based on my research project. So that makes, brings me to my next little point over here. Um... Okay, wait, I, I feel like I have to do some more backstory. Okay, this is, like, really bad. My, In case you can't tell, my mind is very disorganized. I think in, like, so many different, like, jumps. Oh, that's what my friend said. He's told me, oh, hello, if you're watching this, my favorite cousin. He told me when he was reading all of my essays that it just felt very jumpy, that I would just skedaddle from one place to another. But anyway, okay, let me backtrack real fast. The other really essential background information you need to know about me is that I'm in music, which is why I stay until 9.30 every night at school. It's okay, guys. (laughs) I'm okay. But music is like a very big part of my life ever since I was young. And a couple years ago, I got to play in this orchestra thing that I auditioned for, and we, we all went to New York to play, right? And so... I was I was in New York and I was meeting all these people. And something that just, something I noticed, I think just how so many of us came from such diverse life experiences, but also like a lot of us had art, like serious issues that like it felt in a way that like for our, for some of us, those issues were what motivated us to practice and gave us a certain value in the arts and what we did. That we couldn't have gotten without that struggle. Like in my case, right, I, when I, was, I grew up as a kid with a special needs sibling, and sometimes it got very difficult to not feel a little bit ignored. It's something that I've grown out of It's something I've learned to understand. It might be a future podcast episode actually, but you know, at the time as a kid, that's something that like really bothered me. And I got older and a couple years ago during my freshman year, my dad passed away from COVID. And so that was, like, another struggle. And it'd be really sad, but, like, it made me really, like, invested in music to a degree I wasn't before, because music was my connection to him, and it made me find a value for it. And I got a lot better at it, because I was just, like, trying to run back to it and practice all the time as a way of trying to run back to him. Okay, well, wow, that's, like, really dark for a first episode. Guys, I'm sorry. Yeah, there might be some trauma-dumping in this episode, but anyway... Well, not not in, like, this episode, hopefully, but future episodes for sure. So when I was at, like, this orchestra program, like, I noticed how other other people had those similar stories, especially my conductor, actually. My conductor came from a very, like, tough childhood, but he always told us, you know, that's what really motivated me in music. I would go to the church across my street. I'd practice for eight hours a day. And it was this way of getting out of my situation, and I was like, "Man, okay, this guy's like super cracked." By the way, this guy's c- conducted in Carnegie Hall, Sydney Opera House, all these famous performing halls. His composing is known in high schools all over the, the, the country. I mean, it's crazy. The man's cracked. But I, so then it, me, it got me thinking, right? And I was I had this idea in my head, and I always kind of believed that on some level, our adversities make us stronger. I, I believed that with my sister when I became more independent because of it. I believed that with my father when I became more connected to the world and other things rather than just, like, sticking with him. I had to all this in my mind, but then I was reading this book called David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, and basically the book was saying, okay, in the story of David and Goliath, for those of you who don't know, David is a man and Goliath is like a giant. But then, like, David beats Goliath, and everybody goes, huh? What? Like, that's crazy. There's no way. He shouldn't have beat Goliath. Oh, my gosh. And it's, like, told us a story of, oh, well, you can do, like, you can accomplish things even if you don't think you can. Now, but then this author goes to deconstruct this idea, and he's like, well, like, let's think logically about this. During these days, uh, Goliath, yeah, he's a giant. He's big. He's also very heavily armored. He's probably going to find it hard to, like, move around quickly. David has a slingshot and is very nimble. So shouldn't we not be surprised that David beat Goliath? Like, shouldn't that be expected? And so that's the question he asks. And then he goes on to explain throughout the rest of the book how we misperceive advantages and disadvantages. We see the wrong things as advantages, the wrong things as disadvantages. And one thing that stuck out to me, of course, was like the whole cha- uh, chapter on how oftentimes kids who lose parents at a young age become much stronger in certain ways or become risk takers, become more bold. Because it's kind of like my short, you know? So that got me really thinking. And then that started this whole research project that I did. I was like, okay, I, I'm curious. I want to see, can people have experienced advantages to the adversities they face? So that's like I observed in in parental separation and grief, which will both be episodes. And I also have a little bit of a subsection on anxiety because it's not only a common result of childhood adversities that can lead to advantages, but also I think it's pretty safe to say that a lot of teenagers right now are becoming pretty anxious, especially with all of the stress and expectations that are put on us by school and just like life. And so those are that's the plan for this season: an episode on each per, on parental separation, an episode on grief, and an episode on anxiety. I think it's just let's go back to the title real fast: caffeinated rambles. Well, I like to ramble. I'm very caffeinated. I like coffee. I'm a coffee addict. I feel like did I mention that? I probably have. I'm very scatterbrained. You can tell. Anyway, so um. I was just thinking, like, people see the world in a decaffeinated lens. And what I mean by that is people are very inclined to focus on the negative sometimes. And not necessarily even people, not like, or they're people, but okay, wait, this is so hard to explain, but okay, anyway, basically, when I was doing my research, I found out that a lot of researchers don't focus on advantages from childhood adversity. A lot of them focus so much more on the struggles. And obviously, like, you know, I get it. Like, we need to focus on the struggles. We need to understand how to best help people through their struggles. At the same time, it's really depressing when you're trying to do research on positive, like, strengths that you can develop from childhood adversities, and you're just seeing researcher after researcher being like, man, parental separation leads to, like, depression and anxiety and all of this. Oh, grief, oh, it leads to depression and anxiety. And I'm like, guys, are you serious? Like... Do you really think people need more, like, knowledge about the depressing outcomes in this world? Don't we get enough of this? So my idea is that I think we need to see more of the caffeinated aspects of our world. We need to see more of the things that give us energy, that give us the spark to help us keep going. And that's the idea of this podcast. I'm hoping to bring to light things that maybe have not been discussed as much before, maybe Maybe there are a lot of people who are experiencing some of these things but they don't know who to talk to or they don't want to talk to anyone about it but they want to get some hope. Maybe like, I don't know, if I can reach anyone, I can reach anyone. You know, like if I can reach a single person out there, then that matters and that's important. So the hope is that we're going to try to both shed some light on some struggles, of course, that people face, but at the same time, try to see if we can come up with advantages. That being said, I think this is the time to give some nice little background on the general research. We don't just want to know, okay, here are the struggles, struggle, struggles. Here, we want to know about how we are going to able to get through it and also about how we're going to maybe even develop strengths. Okay, so this other paper argues that... We see these children, these children who have experienced adversities as like damaged goods too much. Like it's called So deficit perspective where we're focusing on what they are lacking. And the paper argues that they're important because, you know, you need to understand the struggles of childhood adversity to have successful interventions. But At the same time, this perspective is really unbalanced with understanding the strengths people can develop because of their challenges. It's changing this perception of people who deal with these kids to think, oh, like, oh, they went through stuff. They're going to be, like, weaker, and, like, they're going to be struggling. And, you know, it's a little bit of a negative attitude towards them, kind of almost pitying. It can be a little disrespectful. It can lead to teachers not believing in their students who went through adversity. They kind of maybe will see those kids as, again, damaged goods and, and be focused more on remedial instead of growth. And that's kind of a fault for a flaw, right? We don't want to be assuming, oh, these kids are going to be struggling so much. We need to only like, teach... Get, they're going to be so behind everyone else. We're just going to focus on getting them caught up. Like it's, Again, it's important to understand the struggles, but we still need to make sure we have a balanced mindset because in reality... There are certain skills that might be developed because of childhood adversity. Like, for example, deficit-based approaches are flawed because they focus on, oh, these are the struggles. Oh, the kids are struggling. How are we going to help them catch up with everyone? Instead of, oh, they might be developing strengths because of their adversities. How are we going to help them develop those even further? Right? How are we going to encourage that growth? And we call these strengths hidden talents because so far in society, they've been ignored by scientists, by teachers, by social workers. It's overlooked in theory, it's in research. This adapt, and it's like an adaptive trait. It's something that you, de- a skill you develop as a way of adapting to childhood adversity. It doesn't necessarily come free, right? You have the costs of the struggles of childhood adversity that end up leading to benefits. But in the end, will the benefits should outweigh the cost when it comes to adaptive trade. Microeconomics cost-benefit analysis, wonderful. That is a very useful class. I would highly recommend micro for anybody listening. It's so, it's so like, applicable to so many different things. Anyway, the thing about diversity is that it can lead to adaptive, these adaptive strategies that help you during stressful conditions. So the difference, again, between these two models, the deficit-based approach, the hidden talents model, the deficit-based approach is, oh, these kids are going to not be as strong as the kids from the stable environments, so we're going to help them get there. But the hidden talents model says, oh, well, maybe they've adapted certain traits because of their experiences that we can help them develop further, right? Help people use their strengths from adversity in a positive way. So for some examples of this, I think some of the things that I found really interesting. So one thing is with lower economics stat, socioeconomic status for some kids. So people who are at low socioeconomic status are more likely to have resource scarcity. They're not going to have, as many, obviously, as many resources as they would like. And so then, according to some papers, according to some researchers, they learn to focus on both the social forces that they can't really control and also the individuals who influence their life outcomes. So people who are from lower socioeconomic backgrounds might have a lot more empathetic em, empathic accuracy. Okay, wait, what does this mean? Compassion and attentiveness to others. Okay, well, basically, it's saying that they're more that they can be, might be more socially aware. Essentially, they might because they understand because they understand that this world is like so dependent on people being able to make connections. And they themselves struggle with trying to get the resources they want. They understand the necessity of forming good social connections in order to get the resources they maybe don't have. And and so they're they generally they're very they're better at working collaboratively. How would I say? They're better at working collaboratively. They're able to read people and in, in a, like even little, little subtle like cues, which is like really interesting. Like of course, there's still struggles associated with all these things, but there's still these strengths that might be so different from what people would expect, right? The other thing that I thought was really interesting. um, Okay, so basically, people who are more anxiously attached, which is something that is very common amongst people who are exposed to adversity, appear to be better at Detecting deceit. You're better at figuring out if people are being fake to you, which is like I read this and I was like, "Oh my gosh, you did not just call me out right now!" (laughs) Because I share this with my friend and she immediately responds, going, "This is literally you. You're literally like the definition of anxiously attached." And I was like, "Well, that's rude. Jeez. Okay, it's kind of true though. I'm not gonna lie. Like." For sure, like, when you deal with this adversity, sometimes you tend to cling on to the people that are there to a degree that's not necessarily healthy. But at the same time, because maybe you're kind of anxious, kind of paranoid, you've seen how people can be. It makes sense that you'd be good at being able to tell this person being fake. My father was like that, actually. He, He went through a lot as a kid, and he was one of the best people at being like, oh, my gosh, this person is so clearly being fake. could see through like anyone so yeah I think that basically talks about the whole purpose of all this research here is to give people this perspective on hey like this is possible you know if you're out there and you're struggling with any of these experiences if you're just you're not really sure who to, to talk to you feel like you're alone in this you're not alone there are a lot of people out there I am sure that have experienced similar things I'm sure there are a lot of, there are people in this world that would be willing to be there for you. I'm sure there are people that are there for you and that do care very deeply about you. And um, and I also want those people to know that just because the adversity happened doesn't mean you know you're destined for this all of this struggle only this struggle. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be something that you just get over. But you can definitely get through it through the, all of these aspects of resilience. Bye. Finding strength within yourself by by being willing to challenge what you think and how you see the world and be willing to be flexible. Be willing to try out new solutions to see if they work. Having confidence in yourself, finding ways to find that validation that gives you just the strength to be like, hey, like I'm awesome, like whatever. I can take whatever life throws at me. Being able to to find social support, whether that's through family or sometimes if family can't be there, That's when friends. That's when teachers. That's when things at school, any sort of clubs you might want to join. Those places can be communities for you to find that support that you might want. And in the end, though, like it's crazy to see how like so many people gain strengths from going to these experiences. Like, I mean, being able to see fake people if you're anxiously attached. (laughs) People who with low socioeconomic status being able to be much better at adapting to social situations. And I think it's important sometimes to keep in mind, like, oh, that's crazy. Like, I can like I be struggling with something, but develop a strength because of that. And I think it's just important to remember that. Not as a way of ignoring the struggles, but just focusing on the caffeinated parts. The world is a decaffeinated place. But it's time for us to focus on the caffeine. Because caffeine is how we push forward. So something to keep in mind for the rest of the season is just trying to focus on the things that the strengths that we can learn and trying to focus on how we can develop those strengths and letting that be the caffeine that propels us forward that allows us to see the good in ourselves and see the good in the lives that we can hope to have and just hoping for the best and that's a wrap-up for today on to decaffeinated yet i'm on to i'm no longer as caffeinated and i'm signing off